If you are a growth marketer or a young entrepreneur keen to find out how to best choose a tax step to avoid overpaying, this place is for you. How to choose less to do more. Any ambitious, growth-orientated marketer knows asking great questions is a competitive advantage. It helps you find the details many wouldn't either have an eye for yet or it's your job as a marketer or as an entrepreneur to be so well informed of what's happening that might influence your business that you can simply not afford not knowing. This podcast, Which Apps for Business, was created with this particular thought in mind. Give curious marketers who have a purpose gain also ammunition in the form of knowledge, especially first-hand knowledge, via means of first-hand interviews with CEOs and founders to help them decide which tech stack or apps or platforms can make a difference to either scale or make cost-effective decisions. Today we're discussing Clubhouse app, and our guest is Head of Communications of Clubhouse, Gray Manford. The key question that prompted our discussion was what the future holds for Clubhouse. And we are indeed curious as marketers, we'd love to know what's out there for the brand audiences that we can send on Clubhouse, that we can engage on Clubhouse with, and what are the key products out there that are supposed to keep the engagement levels up and running for the years to come, despite the copycat apps, in spite of the trends that are happening outside of the app as well, influencing the behavior, as many refer to Clubhouse app being the produce of the pandemic. So what potentially happens when pandemic restrictions would not be that stringent anymore and we would potentially get back to the offices at some point. So what would happen in that instance with Clubhouse and its behaviors and its usage? All of these factors influence the app growth. They likewise influence the behaviors of creators on the app as well. So there are indeed plenty of questions to be asked, such as will audio social remain a long-term usage behavior within social apps or was it a pandemic-inspired fad which provided another way for people to connect amid COVID restrictions? And then the other point to look into is the video live streaming before it. Audio social has become less compelling probably as it's been more and more widely available because as with all media, while anyone can create the capacity to share compelling, interesting content consistently, it's not universal. Being good at audio or video live streaming is a skill. And the big challenge that Clubhouse and Twitter are now grappling with it is how do you ensure that you're showcasing the best audio content to each individual user to generate optimal engagement with broadcasts in real time? That said, discoverability of the quality content on the app becomes um, quite a substantial factor in its usage. Now, talking about the usage, I've been on the app since February 21 during its highest peak this year. I witnessed some of the greatest personalities from various fields of interest attending the rooms, from politicians to astronomers to space entrepreneurs. You'd know I'm speaking here about Elon Musk, but also 
I myself had been able to host one of the most popular rooms on the app in June 21st with Netflix co-founder, creator and first CEO Mark Randolph gathering over 2.5k live real-time listeners. Now think about the capacity of the offline conference rooms. You'd hardly find anywhere a 2.5k capacity room out there and having a room on Clubhouse alone with 2.5k international listeners is astonishing. Since then, copycat apps followed and inevitably the number of downloads lessened as it seems the interest for the app grew initially way ahead of its ability to innovate and launch features which would allow it to own the social audio space. Now, where myself as a marketer I'm saying quicker wins here to help preserve the engagement is the ability to create email newsletter for the app pretty much for its most active creators as much as its most frequent listeners to help re-engage them. Now this is currently as a feature lacking in its um, mass market form. How do I know it? I'm not receiving one email from Clubhouse yet. Also, after spending a fair amount of time on the app in its first few months at the beginning of this year, um, in the peak of the pandemic, I couldn't help but notice there's no way to create lists, such as on Twitter, where you can add the profiles of users by interests, by topics they discuss or engaged in. This would no doubt add up to the app discoverability of the quality content. Plus, this would be a massive time saver since we all want to spend our time online in a worthwhile manner. Now, before we would dive into the interview, let's talk a little bit about the stats to put Clubhouse usage into some form of context. At the height of its popularity, it saw over 9.6 million downloads of the app in February 2021. Building upon previous less sophisticated audio chat rooms, Clubhouse offered opt-in audio spaces with various levels of privacy. However, it's faced questions on what its future holds, similar question we're imposing today. In August, Clubhouse saw about 1.7 million global installs, down 35% month over month from about 2.6 million in July, according to TechCrunch. The same source reports currently the average Clubhouse user spends 70 minutes a day on the platform. Now let's hear out from Gray Manford, Head of Communications at Clubhouse. Gray, thank you for accepting the interview. We're thrilled to have you in. My first question. Clubhouse had an excellent start to the new year. In January, you've secured an investment of 100 million US dollars and saw Elon Musk hosting a live room, which effectively made him your supporter. These days, many apps are diversifying, aiming to extend their brand and add more to their services, thus risking to dilute its initial format. There are now many more in-app copycats of Clubhouse adopted by major social networks. Twitter spaces, Facebook audio rooms, to name but a few. Do you think Clubhouse is in need of diversification to stay afloat, or is its proposition strong enough to resist the noise and grow further? Your first question is about diversification versus focus. 
So one of the things that the Clubhouse co-founders, Paul and Rohan, have repeatedly said is they believe that focus is one of our biggest advantages at Clubhouse because social audio is the sum total of what we do. It allows us to focus on delivering for the community and the creators on the platform every hour of every day versus having to worry about 30 other features or a core experience to which social audio is some sort of attack on. So when you ask about diversification, I think what you will continue to see are an increasing number of monetization mechanisms, an increasing number of creator tools, and an ever-expanding focus on making using the app, especially for the first time, as simple and easy intuitive, and intuitive as possible. But ultimately, the goal is to keep our focus squarely on social audio. I was hoping you'd say so, Gray. If I'm honest, I don't think I would be uh, a massive fan of Clubhouse if the app would diversify in any way that its competitors are trying out to do, um, simply because its specialization is social audio. And to me, it's the kind of app that discovered this trend at this larger scale. Now I'd gladly pass on the mic to my co-moderator, Jonathan Fink, who will ask you the second question we prepared for you. There have been a few major releases lately, adding DMs, dropping the invite requirement, adding a new special audio to live rooms, supporting creators with creative comp tools, etc. Um, the latter contains a link to Brands and Monetization tab, which invites brands to contact Clubhouse creators for sponsorships. Who becomes a qualified creator to have Clubhouse uh, mediate the sponsorship? And um, how do you see this monetization features expanding? So for your second question around new features, yes, we recently rolled out the back channel, which has been immediately embraced and kind of become a beloved feature amongst the community. We saw about 10 million um, back channel messages sent in the first 24 hours and 90 million sent in the first week. I'm sure it's in the billions now because it's become such a routine part of people's clubhouse experience. And you're going to continue to see a series of new features. Um, added on a rolling basis, including one routing later this week. Um, for, on the monetization front, so we have payments available in the U.S. and we're rolling that out into different markets right now. We have things like tipping, subscriptions, ticketed events that are coming uh, later this year. And then on the sponsorship front, we're working on a creator brand marketplace that will connect brands agency partners, etc., with creators so that they can sponsor rooms. This product roadmap, to me, reveals your active focus on creators, as well as the room accessibility, which in turn might, and I'm not saying would, rather might here, prompt creators to create exclusive quality content and rooms to justify its paid or member-only access. Hence, my third question is connected to access, a form of exclusivity. So what I'm wondering about is, major streaming platforms have introduced subscription options. For instance, Netflix is subscription only. YouTube has the ad-free version YouTube Premium. Spotify subscription is likewise an option. Will there be a monthly payment option Clubhouse will look to adopt for streaming premium regular content? For your third question at this time, there are no plans for a platform-level subscription. Uh, one of our goals with Clubhouse is to democratize access to social audio and ensure that 
creators from all over the world, if they are interested, can make their voices heard, can connect, can meet new people. This is a core part of our offering. Um, that said, never say never. And I definitely think there will be individual club subscriptions or creator subscriptions, but that will be on the club creator level, not the platform level. Thank you, Gray, for sharing. Subscription modeling isn't off the table for club creators. In fact, it wouldn't be unheard of in the industry to see creator subscriptions surpassing in member volume the platform's own member account. During my Brighton SEO paid social show this year, when training growth marketers on the use of YouTube for business, I did share a curious fact. The largest channel on YouTube, with over 100 million subscribers at the moment, belongs to a Swedish gamer called PyDai, who has a three-tier subscription model, which is entirely independent from YouTube's own subscription proposition. Offering the option to its members to listen to quality content in exchange for privileged access is one feature I'd personally particularly welcome as a creator. And as we are approaching the final few minutes of our show today, I'm gladly passing on the mic to Jonathan Fink, our co-moderator. Jonathan, over to you. Finally, what's more important, creation or conversation, i.e. creating as many rooms as possible or streaming conversation in fewer yet more quality rooms? If so, um, how do you think we as users could be exposed to content we could favour, um, like to hear more, of what we visited more often, etc. How does content quality serving algorithm work on Clubhouse? Are there any further changes planned to refine this experience? In the quality versus quantity standpoint, I would definitely say that Clubhouse rewards quality, um, both in terms of collaboration and bringing creators, especially creators from different verticals who are going to bring wildly different followings with them into a room together for a discussion. I don't think that the algorithm rewards quantity in the way you're thinking, like meaning, I guess, YouTube is the most famous example where for a period of time, you kind of had to post every day or the algorithm would, would punish you for that. I believe they've evolved their system since then. The way the algorithms on Clubhouse work, and they are getting better every single week because there's an enormous amount of effort going into improving discoverability, is it's much more about correlating the types of uh, creators that people follow, the types of rooms they regularly visit, as opposed to simply just do rewarding those who churn out a high volume of content. So it's ultimately about connection. Thank you, Gray, for your time today and the thoughtful answers you've shared. I love the connection reference you've last made, aka Clubhouse Connecting People. I myself have seen this in action. However, as the time goes by and we're gravitating more and more towards the content dissemination, what I'd love to get a firmer grip of on the app is that sense of informing its user base, sharing more of what we don't know. I might be speaking from my own wish list, in which case would love to hear any other points of view on the comments, on what you've heard us today sharing or debating on. With that in mind, I'm closing the line gratefully for today's episode sharing my gratitude with Gray and the WeChat for Business team, Jonathan Fink, our co-moderator, Daniela Conter, the sound specialist, and Maria Jardin, who is our graphic designer. Thank you all who participated and thank you for giving us wings to continue. Any feedback, much appreciated as always. Speak soon. Bye.